Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 98 of the North Meet South web podcast. 98. Oh man, only two away from 100. This is exciting. So We're going to so hit close. 100. Michael, do you remember when we first started this show? I do. You know, my lovely wife tagged you and I. You probably haven't seen this because you don't go on Facebook much. But she tagged us yeah. in, a, in a post from uh, June 13th, 2000 and when was it? 13, oh, I man. think. No. I think that's when I was. No was way. it that, that long ago? No, I, 2016. No it must have been 2016. I was going to say, it couldn't be 13. There's no way it's 2013. Mm-hmm. But 16 sounds more reasonable. Five years. Yeah, that sounds more yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Still, uh, five years. Yeah. Back then, what did she say? She said, uh, my man's internet fame is on the rise. A, pod- a podcast, oh, ooh, ah, fancy. I didn't understand most of it, but it sounded legit. I snagged me a clever one. Hopefully, he remembers me when he wins the internet <laughs> version of an Oscar. <laughs> Nice. Uh, so we've got yeah nice. we've got this is episode 98 of this podcast we've done yeah. uh i think we've done have we done 100 we've done 100 of, of the laravel news podcast as well yeah, i think still so. yeah. still no internet oscar forthcoming however nope no so, no but we do have a day. special guest on today which is awesome so uh with us today we have the infamous and often invisible Ninja Parade. I'm going to let him reveal his real name for us. For all of you who know Ninja Parade on the interwebs, but don't yet know his actual name. Introducing Mr. Go ahead. My name is Yaz Jalad. Yes. Yeah. And if you've ever been to Laracon, you've probably met Yaz. He's uh, he's usually the dude running around with a camera and uh, <laughs> taking awesome photographs that we all get to enjoy post-conference. Um, last time we were in... Let's see. I guess it was in New York last time we were hanging out, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I remember I got to go hang out with Yaz and go get some drinks up on a rooftop. It was really fun. We had a great time. So that was was pretty cool. So uh, Yaz is a longtime Laravel community member. He's been hanging around and um, (laughs) just doing being all sorts of ridiculous and entertaining for the last at least five years. Um, And like one of the funniest things that that we see uh is eric i don't know if eric first started it or who started it yeah or if it was you that started it will be people with like their arm out like at laracon or something and they're yeah, taking a was... picture and then like tag you and it's yeah. like yeah i took a picture with ninja ninja parade whatever so funny my, my claim and to so... fame is that i i even got like taylor and abigail to do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that oh, like taylor hilarious. taylor looked incredibly awkward but he he, he did it yeah that's funny <laughs> that's funny so um you know, we've known you, yes, for, for quite some time. And uh, I think this is maybe the second time we've had you on the show. I think one other time we kind of like had you jump on just in the middle of something to talk about. I don't even remember what it was. Um, Multi-tenancy. Oh, yeah. Keeping the That's account right. ID table thing. Yeah. yeah. That was it. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for gracing us with your presence on the show today. It was, it was a little bit of a last minute thing. I was kind of worried, actually. Um, usually Michael and I are messaging back and forth a little bit before our time. And I'm just like, Hey, are we good for tonight? You know, like 10 o'clock or, and Michael's almost always like, yeah. Or sometimes it's like, dang it. Like it's father's day in Australia a day early. <laughs> We've got some, you know, that happens sometimes. I, I forget about that yeah. stuff. Um, so it does happen on occasion. So we was like five minutes, maybe it was 10 minutes till. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't heard from Michael. Yet. I don't know if this yeah. is happening. And so I was glad to hear that Michael was like, um, no, I'm always available for our regular recording time, which is not always mm-hmm. true. Not always you were true. Trying, you, Most of the time. Most uh, of the time. Who, who was it? Uh, Christ, Christoph Rompo was uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And I, he said, do you schedule your YouTube streams? And um, you were like, no. And I said, it would maybe help us stay more regular. And you're like, we always, we haven't changed our recording schedule for the last five years. I'm like, yeah, true. We haven't changed the scheduled time. But it, it seems to jump around a little bit now that now that you've got mm. two kids of your own, you know. So it's a disaster. Anyway, and the and the blob cafe art. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what's this? What's the blob cafe art? I'm I don't know what this is. Help me out. My uh my tweets when I any any time I attempt to make latte art, it usually just comes oh. out as a blob because I'm yes. I'm trying to get my breakfast ready and raise morning tea and Eli's breakfast ready. So I'm like trying to do all these things whilst with one hand holding the milk in the frother and you can't just put it there and hope for the best. You've got to, you've got to nurse it. You've got to wiggle it up and down. You've got to make sure it's in the right spot. Otherwise you end up with all of this, just like milk foam at the top. And when, when you're making latte, you don't want milk foam. You want textured milk. The air's got to be all the way through the milk. Otherwise, yeah, it's just comes out. 
And it doesn't matter because I just put a, a lid. If I've got my travel mug, I just put the lid on it so I don't have to look <laughs> at the Give it a good shake. Yeah, give it a good mm. shake. You're all set. It, I mean, yeah. it always tastes good. It just doesn't look pretty. I'm not, not cut out to be a barista. Yeah. No, it, I think it the kind of looked one, like, we, I don't did. know if you guys remember Barba Papa. Do you guys ever know no. that show? <laughs> I've heard of it. I, I don't transform. remember. That's what it looked like. I'm dating myself. <laughs> yeah, though. the last one I thought looked like a, um, a little sea turtle. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, hey, Yaz, we actually wanted to have you on the show because you've recently made a little bit of a change in um, career path, I suppose. And we mm. actually were talking a little bit before the show because you always decide to give me crap about Wilbur Powery, which I'm going to have Wilbur <laughs> actually surprise guest. Wilbur <laughs> Wilbur's jumping on tonight as well. No, just kidding. But uh, Wilbur Powery is employed, was employed at Wilbur, oddly enough, right? That's where I work as Wilbur for the last two years or so. And then uh, Michael made the comment, well, Michael, what did you say? You were just talking about it, and you said, uh, what? "Yeah, I said, I said, Yaz stole your employee to go and work at his company, and uh, <laughs> and then he chuffed off, and he's left now." Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, uh, Yaz, do you remember that conversation? As soon as so, so actually, it was so funny because Wilbur texted me like out of the blue and was like, "Hey, dude, you got a couple minutes to chat this morning?" And I'm like, "This is not good. This is <laughs> not good." And I remember I had just seen Yaz post on Twitter like the previous week. Um, like, hey, we're hiring. Come work with us. And I and so mm-hmm. Wilbur, when he got on the phone, here's what I said. Exact words. I said, if you're going to work with Yaz, I'm going to puke. And he said, <laughs> I'm going to work with Yaz. <laughs> I called it. I actually wow. called it. It was so funny. And um, the funny thing and so is I, that. Like, yeah, go ahead. He, he never he never told me that he was applying. I didn't know anything yeah. about it until there was like a screening interview and he was it was him. And yeah, like that, that was, was funny that was, because was... I messaged you like immediately. I was like, yes. I was like, you took Wilbur. And you were like, whoa, 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 dude. I had no part in this. <laughs> he was like very like, no, that is not what happened. I was like, no, 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 it's good. It's good. But he want, yes, wanted to be very clear. He's like, I did not bring him on. I wasn't like headhunting him. Like, no, no, no. So <laughs> no. anyway, it's good. We're all good. So hopefully if you had any lingering doubts about, uh, you know, our friendship, yes, this is this smooths it all over. You're, you're on the show. And uh, by my request, so <laughs> you, here you are. We're we're good now. We're good. Awesome. Yeah. So um. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you know. Actually, yeah. As I'm interested in hearing about sort of your um your career path. Honestly, just kind of like where you come from, and like I know you've got like a, a SaaS product in there as well, and just kind of like kind of where, how it's led you to where you are now, and and kind of like going out freelance on your own. And, mm. you know, what are the things that helped you come to that decision and, and what's the future look like for you? So jump in anywhere you want there. But I'd, I'd just be interested in hear the hear the story you got. Yeah, I, I don't think I want to go too far back, but I did after about three years at my first like development role um, I, where I was doing Flash. I, I, I did. I did like I quit and like I started doing contract work. And it was around the time that I was planning on actually going to Costa Rica and getting married. And we were planning on having like a month long honeymoon and month long honeymoons don't really work when you have a job. You don't really have a month of holidays. Um, so basically I just like lined up like three contracts, did those and, and just kind of like left and got married and came back expecting to look for another job. Cause I just kind of got burnt out at the one that I was at. And yeah, from there I just kind of like, kind of fell backwards into just freelancing and just kind of like doing my own thing. And um, it got to the point where it became like a very steady stream of contract work. And, you know, like I was, you know, basically like newly married, no kids, just my dog. And yeah, it was awesome. But when I had my first kid, um, the contracting stuff got a lot more kind of um, stressful in that yeah, for I sure. had a, like I had a couple of contracts that, you know, were people that I didn't really know. Uh, whereas before it was always like word of mouth and kind of like, you know, kind of referrals and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but these people, like I had one company that, you know, I don't know if you guys know Matthias, the the guy yeah. that does like the magic testing. Mm-hmm. So yep. I met him doing contract work for this company called Blue Jay. And it was this guy that was like pulling people off of the... Um, the Laravel IRC at the time. And um, yeah, so I did that. And like, they owed me like $11,000 and like, they just Oof. kind of like, and they're like in the oh. States and Texas. And it was this really shady company. And 
and they're like they just screwed off and uh mm-hmm. and never got paid for that and i just got to the point where oh, i was like kind of like yeah you know like just too much of that and i kind of had this feeling that like i needed to work with a team because i thought i wasn't really like learning and because you know when you're building products on your own you kind of just get them done but yeah so long story short started uh you know, I sent out a tweet that um, my good friend Adam Wathen retweeted, and then Jonathan Rennick saw it, and Jonathan Rennick got that tweet to uh, my now really, really good friend Adam Campbell, um, who I've kind of built uh, some a bunch of products with, and I'm building a product with right now. And yeah, so that's where I got my job at Spur. Um, so that was like my first kind of like job job, but like it's always been a contractor because they're an American company, I'm Canadian, not yeah, really right. able to work. So I've always technically been self-employed, but it's been like kind of like a full-time contractor role. So, um, but that one was like the first time I was on a team where I was like, you know, there was more than just me building stuff. Um, yeah. So did that and, you know, like they went VC and I just got kind of, you know, to the point where I just needed a change. And then that's when I switched over and, you know, joined, joined ARIO for about 10 months. So, but yeah, so in that process, I guess for me, like the, I've always been kind of my own boss and I've always had my own kind of um, kind of schedule and that kind of stuff and my own, my own business on the side. So it's been nothing to really change except for the fact that now I just don't have like a full time, like contract salary kind of coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so um, what was your role Is Ario? Is that how you say it? Ario? I, th- I think so. Yeah. I, that's how I said it. <laughs> I know that I, no like, one ever corrected even, me if it was wrong. Like, yeah, like even Brannick, like their customers say it different. Like they say Ario, they say Ario, I, but like it, Ario is the way that I pronounce it. And it kind of, I remember them pronouncing it that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. What was your role there? What was like your, your job title? What was, what were you sort of responsible for? Well, I was actually their first full-time developer hire. Um, Andres was working there as a contractor on a part-time basis already. And I believe Jason Beggs um, was a contractor there for, I, I'm not sure how long. I, I remember seeing his commits kind of spanning around three to five months. Dude, uh, sweet, and he helped them. Live wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he he built that first that V2 version for them with them. And then I was like their first hire hire um, for like an employee kind of thing. And my role was meant to be kind of like, just like, you know, come in and be like the senior kind of like, help just you know direct some stuff because like i think that i i brought a lot of that i just kind of like fell into that role at at spur because of the team size at the time um after jonathan reddick left it was me and my cto adam and this this gentleman this guy tony who's in the uk um and i just ended up kind of being in the position where i straddled kind of like almost all the products in the in the in the company and i ended up being like because of my remote being remote and everybody else being in the office, I ended up putting myself in a position where I was the one that was deploying the API because it, it made me kind of like understand everything that was moving around in the company because it made me talk to all other departments and all the other developers and kind of like kept me in sync of what was going on. So I brought a lot of that stuff and that's a lot of the stuff yeah. that they wanted me to bring. So yeah, like when I joined, like, you know, I helped them up. Uh, properly deploy their app through Heroku and like build their assets on the server and, and, uh, you know, set up that stuff, you know, just, I know you guys are big fans of like whip, 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 like with commit history, (laughs) but like kind of standardize some of that stuff so that, you know, you have a little Mm -hmm. bit more of a consistent, um, you know, commit history. So you know what's going on and how they related to tickets that were being done, you know, always having like a development branch or that was ready for production no matter when. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. a couple of things like that. Like they didn't, you know, they weren't really a team yet. They were just kind of like building a product. So, so I did a lot of that stuff and it was really, really good. Moved the needle like pretty far for them. Got things kind of like automated and, you know, doing really well. Helped screen and, you know, hire a few developers as well, which was, which was kind of cool. Done that at a few places yeah. now. So it was fun. Yeah. Cause you've got some reach as well. Right. So that's the good news. Like mm. for, for them, it's like, and, and I've been able to help a couple with a couple little things like that with a company that I that I helped do some work for, it's just like a lot of times it's who you know, right? It's not even mm-hmm. necessarily all the work that you can d- get done. It's the people you know that can get the work done or mm-hmm. uh, the people who you know who have the answers to questions that people are asking, right? Like it was just yeah. recently somebody was talking about, I think it was uh, Jesse Shutt from, um, was it Be Nice, Do Good? 
what's her name? Zengel. 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 Thank you. And Zengel. so, yeah, Zengel. those, yeah, yeah, Zengel. And so he was asking a question and I was, it was basically about, you know, I need to, to map over a collection and get the previous and next items as well. And I was like, Joseph Silver, that's the guy. Go talk to him. He'll tell you. And it was like, boom, he knew. Right. So a mm-hmm. lot of it is just mm-hmm. having been around long enough to know the people who have the answers to the questions that you need to know. Yeah. And that knowledge is super valuable, especially when you're walking into a company like that, as well as like it sounds like you're sort of been being um working with a team that's sort of matured over a, a period of time from that like rapid application development, just everything is mm-hmm. prototype to now like a more mature sort of stable, uh, you know, you've got, you know, actual meaningful commit messages. Like you said, like that dev branch sort of uh, that get branching uh, strategy, which mm-hmm. we did that for a while. Uh, and um, then we collapsed it back just down to a main mm-hmm. branch. But Mm. But anyway, yeah, all those things that you brought to the table, that's really cool. So it sounds like you left them in a really good spot, actually. So before you kind of hopped out, it's like you accomplished a lot of really great stuff for them, got them some really great employees. And now you're sort of stepping back out on your own again, Mm. back into the freelance world. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I did it. I guess it's a bit of a secret, but I did also uh, think about leaving around three months into the position. Like I'd been kind of going through a lot of stuff that, made me kind of un- unsure if I wanted to continue working, like devoting all of my, you know, conscious hours to this, because, you know, as you both have kids and have a real job, like, you know, that your, your kind of creative hours are very limited, right? Yeah, Cause sure. you have your children, you're, you're tired, you're so, and, and, you know, like I've always been trying to build like these other things. And like, I, I like having opportunities to kind of explore new technologies and try and, build my own stuff it just became a lot harder to do that because my all my like nine to five hours were devoted to somebody else's product and you know like Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind i'm like i want to be doing something else i want to be doing something else so i had this like push pull thing going on there like i can't say enough about like the guys that own the company like brandick and brendan and matt were you know they're incredible human beings like they're very thoughtful and considerate and like you can talk to them about i was able to talk to them about pretty much anything um but it did come started to come at odds with kind of like where I was at my, my life and what I wanted and what I wanted to do. And um, like the idea of being on a team was the reason why I wanted to join um, Spur, you know, like five and a half, six years ago. And being on a team right now is like the reason why I don't want to be at that company now. Like it's kind of like I've come full circle. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that kind of makes sense to anybody, but that's kind of how I felt. So uh, let's like, maybe we could talk about some of the products you're working on or have worked mm-hmm. on. I mean, I'm sure if you're talking about one that you're sort of thinking about launching, that's probably still sort of undercover a little bit, but I know you've uh, launched previously uh, pretty successfully um, contest kit, right? How's, mm-hmm. how's that going? What are, what are things looking like for that? Um, do you have other people that you're working on with that uh, or with on that? Or so what's, what's the story with contest kit? Uh, so contest kit right now is just kind of like sitting as is like, I haven't really touched or done a ton of it. Um, I've used it myself quite a bit. Um, I keep using it myself pretty much. The reason why I built it was that's kind of like the stuff that I want to be able to, I envisioned being able to be like, I want to run a Twitter contest. I want to be able to not think about it again and and not like mm-hmm. only be able to have 100 eligible winners, like the way that the trip Twitter API kind of limits stuff. So that's why I built that. Um, but right now, like I do, I'm talking to, um, I don't know if you guys have uh, uh, like the W8, like the Canadian Hockey League. I don't know if you guys are know what that is. Mm-mm. It's like the, nope. le- the it's, it's like the league that uh, all the Canadian, like, all the people that get drafted to the NHL are playing in right now. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's like, like a minor like league European. almost? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm talking to, so in the CHL, there's like a Western hockey league. So I'm talking to them about doing like a, an activation for one of their sponsors. Um, so, and they, they want to use contest kit for it. So I'm, I'm that's, I think contest kits going to end up pivoting back to what it was before, like the scratch and win API kind of like headless yeah. type product, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, so doing that, um, the, I'm working on another thing with Adam right now, which is, you know, like, it's not really a secret. It's kind of like an e-commerce product. Um, it's going to blow a lot of people's minds. I think when they see it, it's going to be, it's incredible. Like the, some of the stuff that he's been doing in there has been just kind of like insane. So it's definitely going to be a game changer for people that want to start selling, you know, things on their website without having to put up a storefront. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's always the worst part. Um, you know, every time I've been in a company or or engaged with someone that has done this where rather than um, using something off the shelf, they've gone and tried to build their own thing. There's always, you know, you build for your very specific use case, but once you throw customers at it, you start realizing you're missing X and Y and um, without having a platform there that's that's kind of dealing with that for you and accounting for all those things, you just, it's it's the whole not invented here syndrome. Um, mm. And I've seen, you know, not just e-commerce, I've seen it in a number of businesses over the years for a number of different products and reasons. And it's just, I, it kind of gets tiresome, but it's also a bit, bit of fun to kind of untangle it and, and wind people back to just doing sensible things so they can focus on their own business. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why it kind of came about was one was Justin Jackson way back when COVID started. I remember him being like this really active um, like Samaritan running around trying to like help all these small companies and businesses in, in his small town get online and run and start, start stores. Mm-hmm. And he was just like blown away. Like he's technically savvy. He was blown away by how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Ian Landsman, who, you know, runs the Laracon online and was doing the Laravel, uh, the Laracon US online version. Um, got all those amazing graphics done by um, Kenseko and all those people. I, I don't know. I forget the guy's name that was doing all those avatars. Kimiko. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, you know, like they like they have a store, right? Like because the Laracon online is website is a store. It sells tickets. And he just wanted to sell like these T-shirts and posters and all that other stuff. And, and again, Ian Landsman is a developer, like he is technical, like he doesn't do it every day, day in, day out, but he is a developer. Mm-hmm. And I remember messaging him on Telegram, asking him about it because we were going to coordinate and I was going to do like this giveaway to like launch the store. And he had to postpone it a week because, and he sent me a block of text, like a wall, just all the things that he just hit trying to set it up with like, you know, Shopify and Printful and connecting this and doing that. And like, it shouldn't be that hard. Right. Like it's 2021. You know, you can one click deploy a server with Forge. You can like one click deploy a Lambda with Vapor. You can't do that with, you know, any sort of store functionality right now. So Mm. it's nuts. And so that's sort of what the the product is that you guys are working on is something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, without kind of getting into details, think Spark, but for e-commerce. So like you you can just drop in, drop in Spark and you have subscription based. This one, this is going to basically allow you just to drop in your provider for where you want to get your product. So my focus right now is trying to get Printful to work because Taylor uses Printful, you know, Justin Jackson uses Printful. I know a lot of Mm -hmm. people that use it and they all have to have a storefront in front of it. So Justin's got like some crappy WordPress thing. Taylor's got um, (laughs) a big cartel. So everything has some storefront in front of it, but like they all have websites, right? They all have like a Laravel or Statmic app running. So to be able just to pull in a package, just sync that all that stuff up and then be able to have like a kind of a, you know, e-commerce experience on your site that kicks out to a Stripe checkout kind of feels like just a natural way of, you know, going rather than having to get up like a, you know, big Mm -hmm. cartel and like Taylor selling on like, you know, big cartel.laravel.com or whatever it is like, you know, it's it's always some some meetup like subdomain and stuff. So that sounds pretty awesome. So that makes up a, a portion of your time, right? And then sort of uh, since that's in pre-launch, mm-hmm. um, is the rest of your time just being made up of uh, freelance gigs, freelance projects, things like that? I'm working on a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine that maybe five, six years ago before when you were working on things on your own and you were, you know, you had said a lot of it was word of mouth, but then it sort of got to the point where you were just working with some other folks you hadn't worked with before. I mean, Mm -hmm. the scale and the speed at which Laravel has grown during the last five and six years means the amount of demand that there is for Laravel is just insane right now, right? And I feel like there's a lot of people making this jump, which is part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you actually about this is... There are a lot of people right now making a lot of money just doing freelance Laravel stuff because mm-hmm. there's so many people that need it. Um, mm-hmm. I just put up a... I'll, I'll just give you some um, context here. Our company has been hiring and ev- it seems like everybody in the US... I don't know if everybody's experiencing this, but it's like the massive labor shortage right now. And no, nobody's applying to anything. 
Um, so we put up job postings that previously would have gotten us, I don't know, like 300 candidates in a week, right? And we're getting like 70, maybe, right? So it cut mm-hmm. it in like a third. Now contrast that with, I put up a posting on Lara Jobs mm-hmm. and within two hours, I had 70 applicants, 70. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's insane how many people know about Laravel and are mm-hmm. wanting to work on Laravel related stuff. Um, but the demand is just crazy. So uh, mm-hmm. I would assume, or I would hope that maybe that's some of like where you're at too, is like, you feel like maybe a little more comfortable sort of jumping out there. I mean, obviously with a kid and, and things like that, there is some probably stability that you're like, I, you know, I really need to be able to make sure that I don't get, you know, stuck out like to dry on $11,000 again. But um, is that a worry for you? Is like the demand for Laravel part of what helps you to feel comfortable enough to kind of get back out there? Or is it just like the networking you've been able to do over the last five, six years? What is it that sort of helps you change your mind to be able to go back to that world and feeling confident about, about putting yourself out there like that again? I think first and foremost is the connections that I've made with the people that I know now. Like it's, it's kind of like, it's actually crazy to think about going back six years and, or six or seven years. I forget when that first Laracon was, when I went to that first Laracon to where I am now in terms of ability, what I can do, what I could build and the amount of people that I know in the community, right? Like this, the Laravel community that we're in is massive. You know, like I know people and talk to people mm-hmm. on a daily basis from around the world that are all in the Laravel community. And the reach from like, I, I, I was, I felt so humbled when I put that tweet out and it was getting retweets by like all these people. And like, it, it ended up getting like, I ended up getting inundated by messages and, you know, emails and stuff like that. It was just, you know, like I would not have ever expected to be able to get that amount of um, traction, you know, back then, because before it was all word of mouth. I was very like, on my own, isolated, like I just started using Laravel, like, you know, like within a year or whatever. So very different, very different table stakes, right? Like now, you know, like I know a lot more people, there's a lot more opportunities. I I feel more confident going after a big project, whereas before I would probably be a little bit more hesitant. And there's also a little bit of a network of like freelancers out there that, you know, if you can, if you can land like a really big project, there are people out there that you can work with. Whereas right. before I yeah. was like, I felt like I was, if it wasn't me doing it, I wasn't gonna be able to get it done. Yeah, that is tough. I mean, like, that's a really good point. How the idea of taking on a huge project mm. um, <laughs> is really intimidating because you know how those things tend to grow out of control, especially the longer mm-hmm. they take, the more features the customer wants, right? You got to be, so I'm sure that's come with an mm-hmm. education as well. Just like the ability to be able to scope projects accurately and say like, hey, this is where the line is in the sand. Like, this is how much we're doing. This is what we've agreed to. But then also, like you said, if you do get overwhelmed, you have people you can draw on to kind of pull in and mm-hmm. help you out. Um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a great point. And I'm, I'm with you on that. We're like, I've had a couple people ask me, and specifically like what this one other company I work with, for like to help with these big projects. And having a full-time job, it's very difficult to, to uh, like commit to that. Yeah. Yeah, the the extra the extra income that you can generate from doing that kind of stuff sounds great yep. until you factor in, especially you, Jake, with with four kids. But you know, factoring in the fact that it means you're working nine to five, coming home, spending a couple of hours with your family until they go to bed, and then going and and continuing to work. And depending on the project, you know, if if it if it gets done, you know, and you spend four weeks, six weeks, or whatever out of hours but that's you know it's still four to six weeks where you're grinding away mm-hmm. and an extra 20 hours a week on top of of your day job um for sure it's just a, a really easy way to burn out and at the end of it you, mm-hmm. you kind of you kind of think is is the extra money worth it um and and at the moment because my my kids are a little bit younger than both of yours <laughs> they just go through these phases yeah. where they're sick um and they're still picking up like and and live for the first time. You know, she had a cold, got over the cold, um, got tonsillitis. Oh my god! And on top of the tonsillitis, she's been teething, so she's just been miserable. Which is, which is then, you know, hard for for us because we're up all night because she's not sleeping well. There was a, a three hour block the other night where she wouldn't sleep if you put her down. Like as soon as you as soon as her head touched the bed, she was like, "No, nah, I'm up." And then it's another twenty minutes trying to settle her. Um, you mm-hmm. know. 
it's it's unpredictable if you've if you've got kids. Um, it's un it's unpredictable, especially if you've got if the, as I said, if the project is is really well scoped out and it's like this is six weeks, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to ship it and it's done. That's fine. But if it's if it drags on, you know, it's and it's hard. Um, you know, do you go back and say, you know, we need to do what we said we're going to set out to do, or do you want to throw more money at it so we can add these extra yeah, things? And a lot of businesses really are like, tough. oh no, no, this is part of the project, but it's like this is not what we agreed to at the start, and 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 the scope creep gets hard because you're obviously going to spend more time on it, but they don't want to spend extra money on it because it's like, oh, this should have been in the well, you know, it's not, it's not something that that you thought of at the start when we agreed on what was going to be done, so. Doing it as a side thing is a lot, lot more difficult to pick up a big project. Um, that said, we joke about it. Or I don't know, I don't know what it's like in Canada or over there hmm. in the US. Picking up government contracts here every three months, four months, it seems that we see one of these things come out in the news where some company got the contract to do some IT project for the right, government. Right. It, it was like. Eighty million dollars <laughs> over budget. It de- it it delivered like ten percent of the like, scope yeah, exactly. of the work. Like, I want it didn't that work. Yeah, the company still got paid. The government's left to look stupid. And I'm like, can I just get this gig? Like, and and they don't even do the job properly. Right. So you don't even have to be competent. But yeah. you're getting hundred and ten million dollars to do this three month project. Like, I'll take hundred and ten million dollars and retire. Sure. Right. Yeah. Let's uh let's get it. Let's get like a Laravel like um group together michael that you're just like okay i've got a group of like 15 developers and we're going to take this next one on like this next australian contract we've got it primed ready to go we each get 10 million dollars and go we all quit our jobs (laughs) speaking of this so so my wife my wife is in healthcare she's an audiologist that's and when she started her job there were there was this like new kind of like integrated like health record system where if as a patient you saw a dentist or a doctor or an emergency room, you know, physician or anything like that, it would be like part of your record. Like everyone would be able to draw on that same mm-hmm. information. Everything centralized. So obviously this is an incredible mm-hmm. feat and achievement to have out. So when it came out, her manager said that they had this like thing, like if you know if there's any bugs or any issues with the software to to record the issues and try and get as much information about it, like a bug, like a bug report. Sure, sure. One year turnaround for any bug reports. Oh my gosh. They yeah. they weren't they weren't gonna touch it for a year. Like I don't even understand like I I I my jaw dropped and it required IE six. <laughs> it required no. IE six. Yes. No. Oh my gosh. She wasn't allowed to update her system mm-hmm. because IE six was a requirement for the software. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But what reliance can you have on ie6 like i don't understand well they spent all the money on the software they can't afford to go and upgrade everyone's computers that are already in the field so um yeah so what i so i think this would actually be a good opportunity maybe to talk to some other people who are maybe thinking about making the same the same jump right out to freelance they're working maybe they're working a full-time job right now or maybe they're just getting into this. Like maybe they don't have any kids. Maybe they're just sort of looking, how do I get started with that? What are some things that you feel like you've learned over the last couple of years that you'd say, these are essential things that you need to have in place in order to be successful? It could be things like, here's how you scope a project. Or you know, you need to have at least this many contracts in place before you jump out there. Or you need to have this much runway and you should have some savings, whatever. Like, what are some things that you kind of worked through before, you know, making this jump back to freelance again that you said, these are th- some things that you should at least think about before you before you jump out there? So I, I knew that I wasn't going to need that long of a runway, but I had three months saved where if I didn't make another dollar, our lifestyle wasn't going to be impacted. So I gave myself three months to make a paycheck. Um, that's one thing for sure. Just everyone's math is different. I happen to live in an unbelievably expensive city, so it's a bit different for me. But just make sure you have like the ability to go without a paycheck for you know as long as it as long as you think it's going to take. The other thing for sure, and I think it's probably the reason why I'm so confident in taking on a big project now, is just being able mm-hmm. to kind of like. Just break it down and stop chasing like the dumb stuff. And part of that is like, 
don't even think about a microservice. Don't think about GraphQL. Don't think about any of this nonsense. Just think about just getting the product working. Because I can tell you for for a fact that like every project and like you guys, I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. like Adam Wathen and Jonathan Rennick having those podcast episodes about Jonathan Rennick's project, the, the project he was working on, Roll Call. Do you guys remember those episodes mm-hmm. of Form Validation? I don't, I don't remember that. Eh, I, feel have, like, I feel like I remember it slightly. Marathon episode about mm-hmm. form validation. Vaguely. This was the product that I came in and started working with John at, like that product. So that product, there wasn't a single thing that we did to optimize it that wasn't like a database thing or something like that, right? Like we, there's always these really like easy fixes to things. It wasn't like, oh, we need to slap this on and get Kafka going and we need to get a microservice over here in this region and do this and get a jot with the claims and none of that. Like very simple, just kind of like, business solutions, solve the business problems, mm-hmm. solve the customer problems and kind of move forward. So having that kind of like, just not looking at this kind of like the shiny objects and just kind of like keeping in mind what's mm-hmm. important really has helped me like kind of like scope out work and do the work that needs to be mm-hmm. done. Um, even think about like how to prioritize a feature. Like you can kind of like even use that kind of mentality to, you know, what gets done first, what's more important, like how to, you know, what comes first, like how that breaks apart, you know, vertical slices, horizontal slices, like however you want to cut those features apart, mm-hmm. you get a lot more experience doing that kind of stuff. And I think that really, really helps. But, you know, obviously not everyone's going to have the opportunity to be able to like land a really big project, but just do whatever you can just to get your foot in the door. Don't sell yourself short. Like don't like undervalue yourself is probably the most important thing because you're just going to end up hating yourself for it. Like make sure that you're mm-hmm. getting you know, make sure you're going to be happy with the money that you're going to get if it ends up being extra hours for you, right? Like that's another another thing. Um, and something that I learned from Hempill is try to do more project pricing rather mm-hmm. than hourly. Because Yeah, the, that's huge. And that cuts both ways, right? Like that could be, you know, you working 20 hours to build something that was expected to take an entire yeah. week and then you get all that money. But it also protects the customer too because if that customer ends up, like, you know, expecting a feature and you said it was going to take a week and it takes you two weeks, they're not paying for an extra week of work. Right. So it does right. come back, you know, like it kind of, kind of comes back and forth. Uh, so you end up kind of like being able to, you know, make a good case and argument Correct. for that. Yeah. Um, those are definitely things I would suggest, obviously mm-hmm. bargaining and, you know, figuring out that stuff is going to be up to the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your comfort level. Having like a, like some sort of service agreement is also really important. There's a bunch of like really, Nice, like there's like uh, PandaDoc and HelloSign and all these other companies that you can just, you know, sign up for like a 15 and $20 a month thing and get like, you know, really good, you know, contracts that, you know, you can get you and the customer to sign. Obviously, like you're going to, you know, like if you're in Canada and the other comp- the guys, the other people are like in Texas, like, I don't know how you're going to go to court over something like that, but just yeah. get, get some, you know, get something in writing, just try and make it a little bit more official, make it seem a bit more official kind of, I think is also helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Other than that, just, just do your best work over deliver, over communicate, you mm-hmm. know, under promise over deliver is probably one of the best, best ways that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, that, that second point you made around just sticking to, to what you know and not looking at the shinies and the new technology, I think is, is, is important because, Academically, some people look at programming as, you know, the right way and the the right technology and and all of that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, if someone's coming to you as a freelancer to build something, they're not they're not the chances are they're not going to look at the code. Right. Chances are they're a small business that doesn't have the expertise mm-hmm. to do it. A bigger business that has all of these technologies in it has probably got their own in-house team which you might you might be coming in to help but if you're doing something from scratch then then certainly you want to get it done in the way that you best know to get things done don't use client projects as a proving ground or a or a you know playground for you to try out some new technology because it's it's not going to be a good experience mm. for the client that's, it's going to take you really longer yeah. than you know to get it done because you're learning on as you go um and and key to it all is that the, the customer just needs to see that when they click a button in a form in their browser that 
it ends up in a table in the admin area for them to review. You know, at the, at the end of the day, that's what marks a successful project for a lot of these things. So I think that that was a really good point that you raised. Yeah, absolutely, um, I agree. Um, and the but but the, 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 that was why I was so stagnant right before, like because I was literally just trying to solve problems all the time, mm -hmm. and I wasn't really like learning. I didn't feel like I was like learning as much as I could have because of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and to your other point around. Uh, value-based pricing i i know roughly what i charge per hour but i will figure out how many hours it's going to take and i will then do that calculation and present that to the client and i and i say you know this is what i'm going to get done this is how much it's going to cost and i've maybe it's, i'm just fortunate in the in the clients that i've had but they're like yep let's get it done um and and they usually as most clients, they'll usually come to you and it's like, I need it by this date. Um, and, and there's not often going to be much wiggle room on that if they're coming to you with a, something they need done by a date. So you just figure out how long it's going to take and, and, and you work to that. And, you know, if it is a short deadline, maybe increase what you're calculating your hourly at to get to that final figure. You should figure. definitely do that, yeah. So, you know, if, if you're charging, I don't know, $200 an hour um, as, your, as your regular rate, and you would say this project's going to take me four weeks to do. If they come to you in in they want it in three weeks or two weeks, you know it's a last minute thing. Increase that rate. They don't know what your hourly is. They just know how much it's going to cost at the end of the day. Um, new clients, I typically split invoicing. They pay a, a deposit, uh, and then they'll pay a progress, and then they'll pay a final. So, I, I you know, I've I've had that fear. You know, I've heard I've heard from you, Yaz. I've heard from Hemp Hill as well just clients that you do a whole bunch of work for and and then they don't pay. So anyone that's new, um, then, yeah, they, they get stuck with a de deposit invoice and I, I'm not starting until that's paid. And then the progress invoice comes when I, I'm like, here, it's done. Um, now, once they're happy with it, then I send them the next invoice and then we deploy it to production and then they send the final invoice. And then worst case scenario, you know, if they don't pay, then I'm only out. 20% of the of the contract sure. um, yep. or, or whatever, uh, especially if it's big money. If it's, you know, less than $1,000, if it's only a small piece of work, you know, okay, it, it probably didn't take me that long to do and I'm not too worried about it. But if I'm quoting up there, you know, bigger numbers and, and, and bigger pieces of work, then, and, and, and especially for new clients, if you don't know these people, That's the key. Yeah, then for it's, sure. it's, it's very important that you get, as you said, yeah, as a, an agreement in place, um, it doesn't really have to be huge. Um, it could just be it, as a, as a single person contractor. Don't don't try and make yourself sound bigger than you are because you're just lying to everyone. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to your customers. Don't pretend like. I mean, unless you're farming out the work, you know, charging three hundred dollars an hour and then off offshoring the work for a hundred dollars an hour or whatever. Um, you know, just just get it done. And then I always offer the option to to clients. Um, I make them pay for hosting. Um, I give them their own Amazon account because I don't want to deal with that coming up in, in my invoices and whatever. Um, I charge them. I say, this is how much hosting is plus uh, a lot of what I do is is using S3 and, and data transfer. So I say plus whatever the Amazon charges are. There's no markup on that. It's just whatever they are. Um, and then I give them the option of like a, a monthly retainer for up to X hours of support per month. And if they want extra uh, or, or per incident. Like they they get the choice. Mm -hmm. So, if it's if the thing is if it's if it's something in my code that was broken, then I'll fix it. You know that that was on me. Um, if it's something that they didn't account for or they didn't test for properly, like they went through, if they sign off on it and say it's broken, then you know that's what the retainer's for. So, yeah, yeah. I I wanted to. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on. I wanted to say first about the retainers, Michael. Um, Actually, maybe I'll swing back to that. I think I'll swing back to that. Um, so one thing that you had talked about, yeah, is like don't get distracted by the new shiny things. And Hempel has told me this before too. I've heard him say it before. Like learn as much as you can so you can use as little as you need, right? The idea of like if you know a lot about all these different technologies, you can pick the correct one for the job and it's going to mm -hmm. work really well, right? So instead of trying to use Vuex and whatever and all this stuff, you can use Inertia. Right. And so like it's it's just kind of like 
knowing enough about a lot of things like, you know, be sort of like T-shaped, right? You know enough information about all these technologies to get started mm-hmm. with them, but then you have really deep technical knowledge in a couple of those areas, right? Um, so I think that's important because there are a lot of times where you'll be approaching a problem from one angle. And if you would just use this different tool, it's actually going to save you a lot of time and a lot of frustration, right? Mm. Um, the other idea is the idea of value pricing and project pricing. So a, a perfect example, I had a air conditioner go out on like the hottest day of the year. It was a holiday <laughs> and I called a dude and I was like, God, I, I got to have this thing fixed like today. He's like, I can be there tomorrow morning at like nine. I'm like, great. Sounds good. He came out. He took apart my air conditioner and he fixed it in like 15 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This is great. And uh, I was like, what, what was wrong? He's like, oh, this capacitor popped on it. You know, it's an older air conditioner. I was like, can I get the box so like I can, you know, buy that p- part in the case it goes out? He said, yeah, no problem. It was a $7 part. He charged me 250 bucks. I was like, happy to pay it because I did not mm-hmm. care at that mm-hmm. point. It did not matter. I didn't care it was a $7 part. I didn't care it took 15 minutes. Didn't care it was a hot. None doesn't matter. Like 250 bucks, absolutely happy to pay. I would have paid him 300, you know, no big deal. And that's the idea of project mm. pricing, right? Of value pricing. If you can look at the project and say, what will to the client, what would you be happy to pay me to do this? Because it could depend. It could, like, if it's a feature that's totally like throwaway, it's not really a big deal, but like one of their stakeholders asked for it. You know, maybe you can't justify that. But if it's like this is a critical piece of infrastructure moving forward, we'd be happy to pay you 20 grand to solve this problem. Like if, if you mm-hmm. paid if we paid you 20 grand and you could solve it, we would be stoked. Great. Charge them 20 grand. Doesn't matter if it's going to take you two days. Doesn't matter because the value to the client is worth mm-hmm. X number of mm-hmm. dollars. Right. And if mm-hmm. you can figure out how to negotiate in a way that makes sense like that. You end up with a happy client and you're happy too because you get a lot of money for it, right? Like you said, it does cut both ways for sure. Um, But you're not ripping somebody off if they're happy to pay you to do it, right? You don't have to feel bad about it. It's not like you're, you know, it's like you have the skill set and the knowledge that they don't have to solve the problem. Doesn't matter how much time it takes. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one way to sort of like overcome the guilt maybe of like getting around like this value pricing idea. It's not, you're not ripping anybody off. That's not, that's not the case. Um, the last thing I was going to say, Yaz, is like, you know, Michael, you had talked about retainers. And when I've talked to Weber Powery about some of this stuff too, like he he does that, right? He has retainers with different clients where they'll pay him regardless of if they use him or not. Um, do you ever do that to sort of help de-risk some of your uh, some of your time? So like if you do have a big project that, or, or if you're not able to land a big project, you at least sort of have this base money that you come into with every month that you say like, I have X number of dollars that I know that it's going to, you know, pay for my bills, right? regardless and then i have these other projects i'm hoping to land is that something you do the, there's there's one project that i'm going to be working on um in a couple of weeks and that's kind of the way that i'm structuring it it's going to be like based on a, a set amount of hours a week and you know with room to go up to 40 hours because i don't I don't want to like schedule myself 100 percent uh, but I do know that there's going to be weeks that are going to do sure. that. So that, in a sense, that's kind of like the retainer in a in a, in a way. Um, so like I may work less than thirty hours, I may work more than thirty hours, but I always get paid thirty hours, for example. Um, and then there was the other one was nice, kind yeah. of similar to the arrangement that uh, Michael was mentioning. I had an e-commerce client. I built they for whatever reason, like they just could not see themselves in any off the shore off the shelf stores because of so many weird reasons. So I had to build them like a custom store. Um, they, they actually, no joke, no joke. There's always reasons. If I'm not mistaken, he was worried about using Google mail for, for an email account because he thought Google would know who these customers are. This is, this is the type of, this is the type of like, kind of like concerns. Yeah. Oh, I love uh, it. So they didn't want to have like Shopify know who their customers yep. are because Shopify would then, I don't know what they mm, would do. Sure, of course. Um, but I ended up having to put them on like a 10 hour a month retainer that was basically just like an SOS thing for, you know, like if anything happened to the stores, if anything went down or, you know, like what, if something happened to the server. So um, that was kind of more of a maintenance thing, but it was a, it was a retainer because I never, there was months where I didn't do anything. There was months where I probably worked like 20 hours. So, but definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's out good over the go. course yeah. of a year. Yeah, for sure. And I don't see like that. I don't even know. So I, I'm totally cool with value pricing. I've done it before. The retainer thing is something I have no idea how to sell. 
to a client. I don't know. I don't know how you convince them to be like, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to give you up to 30 hours a week for this price mm-hmm. if you need it. Now, if you don't need it, doesn't matter. You're still going to pay me. Like, mm. I don't know how to, I don't know how you sell somebody on that. I just don't, I've never been able to like get somebody to be like, oh, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. I mean, with my client, I kind of use it that if there was 10 hours one month that I didn't use, that I could use them the next month because I was getting paid for them. But, you know, yeah. that does kind of put you at risk of like having 200 hours banked. And then next thing you know, you're not working. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly you get railroaded but, for a month. But I don't oh, yeah, think that sure. you want to, like without, without signing, sounding slimy, but I don't want, I don't think you want to position it as like, I may work. I may not work. Just say, you know, like I will be available for you, you know, for this amount of time, for this amount of money every month is the way that I would position it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good way to say it. Yeah, for sure. You know, you don't ever want to like sell it to somebody as like, I may work, I may not work. Like (laughs) probably not the verbiage you'd want to use. Would you ever get to the point if they are banking those hours that you would just cut them off? Like, and de-risk both yourself and and the client such that they're not paying you for for work that they clearly don't need you to do um, and that you're not banking all this time that, as I said, you might get railroaded where suddenly you've got 100 hours worth of work to do in a month and you've got other clients on the go. Would you, you know, cut them off and then say, if we need to pick this up again in future, then we can discuss it then? I mean, with, with them in particular, like they were the only ones that I was in that situation with. I basically would on a on a quiet month I would try and you know do a bunch of the maintenance stuff that I couldn't you know that they wanted like some of the bigger things. So I always tried to make sure that I was burning those burning those hours, you know, keeping it down. Mm-hmm. But I think that you would definitely have to wade into that one very cautiously. I, I these guys I've been working with them for 5 mm-hmm. years. I knew what to expect. I knew the cadence of things that I would have to do with them. I knew what the the goals and objectives were in terms of what they were doing. So I didn't really feel like I was going to get railroaded or blindsided by stuff. And I did have a good enough relationship where I could, mm-hmm. you know, just say, okay, I'm going to do that email thing that you want to do. So I'm going to build all those templates this month and, you know, use last month's hours. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, because to them, it's yeah. not going to make a difference, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, mm. I'm always doing sort of... um Mm-hmm. ancillary tasks, you know, d- depend about runs, it spits out its pull requests. I go and look, review, um, make sure the tests continue to pass, ship those things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's once a week. Even that, you know, it takes half an hour. It's, it's something that's done. And it's that's setting yourself up for success in the future, keeping things up to date rather than, you know, and Laravel's release cadence mm-hmm. has slowed down a bit now where it's annually instead of every six months. So you don't want to have 12 months worth of, features and updates and things like that laravel shift makes it easy sure but keeping on top of that as and when it happens so that you can just pick up you know from this is the current mm. version of laravel the next time you work on it if if it gets that way so it's there's always there's always something yeah, that can always. be done i there's guess always somewhere for sure the one thing i want to mention though is that like when you're when you're talking about like the value pricing and and worried about like charging and yeah. stuff the way that I think that you need to frame it in your head is that your your accumulated experience as a developer, as somebody that's working in the position that you're working, where you're leading a team, mm-hmm. you've successfully like scoped and broken down features and got them deployed in production and maintained them and all that other stuff. All of that stuff, when you bring that into another customer, another client, that's kind of like what you're talking about with the air conditioning guy that you know was able to fix it in 15 minutes because he's been doing it you yeah. know he can do mm-hmm. it in his sleep right whereas right. someone new would probably charge like a third right yeah. probably you got you got yeah. to remember those years of experience are going to be you know things that you're going to have in your head that you're going to be able to like work through a problem differently and better than somebody that hasn't had that experience mm-hmm. so there's you know it's it's always sure. it's always yeah. the same case right when you're getting you know going for a job right like you're your salary is going to be negotiated on your on your experience for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, trade is always a good one. You know, when you call a plumber or you call a gas fitter or you call a, a Sparky, whoever you're calling out, you know, whenever you call these people, you don't, you, know, you might get three quotes or four quotes or whatever, but you're not going to mm-hmm. haggle with the one, you know, you, you're just going to say, yep, that's that's how much it costs. Um, it's... It, it, you know, and it, you don't ask. And, and for us as, mm. as IT contractors, um, you know, it, it's, it's some people will just haggle. It's like, you mm. know, it's not worth it. I said, well, I'm not, 
going to try and bend your arm. Like if you don't want to pay it, go, go and pay someone a third of the price and I'll see you in, in four months when you need it fixed properly. So, um, you know, and that, that's the same thing with a trader. You could get the cheapest tradie and you always run the risk of having to get it fixed again properly after more damage is done. You know, they, they miswire something. Suddenly you've got an electrical yeah. fault. Now you've got to get someone back and then you charge them more. So and my dad's advice way back, by sorry, the way, my dad's I love- advice way back was if you don't want to be getting paid $5 to paint someone's house, don't be the guy that paints people's houses for $5. Like, just like, just don't do it. Right. <laughs> if you're, if your rate right. is that if this is what you want to get, that's what you want to charge Just charge that. Don't go and, you know, take 30% of it or, 10% of it just to kind of get the job. Mm. Yeah. There's always going to be a Jake out there with a corporate credit card f- hang- flapping around saying, we'll pay 25 grand for two days' work. We got to clean go. up Wilbur's mess somehow, right? <laughs> oh <my gosh>. yeah. <laughs> Wilbur Powery's mess, by the way, not Wilbur the group, not yeah, Wilbur, Wilbur Powery, yeah. Costa Rica. Sorry. Wilbur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say, I love how Australians have all these cute names for people. Trades and a Sparky, which I'm guessing is an electrician. And mm-hmm. yeah, a Sparky. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. Well, hey, yes. Um, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been super insightful to talk to you about some of this stuff. I've I've actually had these questions, some of these questions for a while. And so, as soon as I saw you say like, hey, I'm launching out there for that, I'm like, I've got to, we got to talk about some of this stuff. I know that you've got a ton of experience and a ton of time. Um you know, behind you working on all these things. So thanks for coming on today, sharing some of your knowledge. And um, hopefully as you go forward on this path, lots of new clients, lots of new work and lots of amazing things ahead for you, man. Best of luck. Awesome. Hey, did you guys ever get chocolate from Andres at Laracon? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't think so. Man, you should see the chocolate that he gave Eric Barnes. Is it... (laughs) Like I'm it was massive. This... Okay. It was, was it bigger okay. than Eric? I, oh, I like ooh, I easy. not only was it bigger, it was like I think I got like one of those like plastic bags that had like the four like chocolate covered coffee beans in it. Uh-huh. And then I saw nice. Eric with this like bag. And I was like, what's that? He's like, I don't know. Andres gave it to me. I'm like <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because I want to trade notes because I I don't I know that you guys also know Andres and would have been at the conference yeah, when he was for giving sure. out that chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's funny. I don't I remember getting chocolate. any, but I'm going to have to message him now and be like, hey, dude, where's my chocolate? He'll probably, you yeah. know, he's like one of those dudes who totally be like, oh my gosh, man, I'm so sorry. I'll ship it to you tomorrow. He probably would. <laughs> mm. Oh, and ask him to sing Moana for you in Spanish. Okay. All right. I will do so. And that's if fine. he doesn't, if he say- doesn't, I will send you the telegram recording that he sent me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if you heard this. I, I'm Michael, how many episodes ago was it where he, he actually Laravel sang News, yeah. a Laravel or it was on Laravel News. He sang a song about packages for us, P- like Laravel packages. I'm so on, sorry. On the, like at the end was, of the show, he was it in was the chat. Hilarious. Yeah, he was in it the was chat. Really and Jake really, was like, "I'm really sorry that he had to." You know, Andres is going to record the song, and and then he sent it to us like 20 minutes later. We used it in the next episode. So, unbelievable. I I apologize for him. I'm really sorry. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, this was episode 98 of the North Meet Southwood podcast. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at northmeetsouth.audio slash 98. If you liked the show, please feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. You can find Yaz at Ninja Parade on Twitter and my, Michael and myself at our normal spots. Michael Deliver at Jacob Bennett. Yes, thanks again for coming on the show, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. All right, until next time, folks. We'll see you later. Peace.